One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats, left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let, out, let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signalled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and followed him. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Thank you. Good morning. Thank you for that reading, Gillian. Wonderful. I'm sure we've got some feedback. Um, that's better. Good morning. Welcome. Lovely to see you all. Um, someone was asking me um, earlier on if we have an evening service, and we do. Tonight at six o'clock, we have these new patterns of service. So we have a wonderful informal encounter service tonight at six. Next week, we have a four o'clock service, which is... Uh, aimed at people between the ages of 11 and 25, but it's open to everyone, and we'd love to see you. Six o'clock tonight, four o'clock next week. But this week, in the 10 service and throughout the whole of this term, we're going to continue this theme of discipleship, which we began to look at last term. And we're asking ourselves, what does it mean to have a courageous faith? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? Jesus called his disciples to have a faith that makes a difference to the world. And we're going to go through Luke's Gospel, we're looking at eight different themes, and this morning we're looking at this theme called calling. What are we called to? Probably the question I get asked more than anything else is, what do you think I might be called to do? What's my purpose in life? 
And we see right at the beginning of Luke's Gospel, Jesus gives a calling to the disciples and later on a calling to everyone who will believe in his message. So this passage takes place near the beginning of Luke's Gospel. It's an encounter between Jesus and some simple fishermen. Many of us would have heard this story before and they receive an invitation to be part of the most amazing adventure, an adventure that would go on and change the world. And sometimes I think with the business of life, with the back to church, back to school, back to trying to get to normality, we forget that we still have this invitation ourselves. We've been invited to be part of something which is bigger than you and I, something which will change the world. So before we continue, shall we pray? Father, we want to just thank you for your word this morning. And we pray, Lord, that you would speak to us by your Spirit about the amazing invitation you give to each of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I met my wife on a Christian dating site, a well-known dating site. I think we should get commissioned in this church because I know there's about four or five of us on the main core team who have met their partners for the same site. So I think it's about time maybe they start giving us commission for um, all the connections we're making at St. Saviour's Church. But I, but I remember we, we emailed each other for a while and we got to know each other and we chatted about our faith and our hopes for the future. And I thought, you know, at some point we need to meet face to face. So, so I, I, was, I was thinking, how do I do it? I want to be a gentleman and not be sort of too forceful. I sent her an invitation. Her first response was, why did it take you so long? I was thinking, there's me trying to be a gentleman and just, just ease my way into it. Um, then I kind of got a little bit of cold feet and I was thinking, well, Lord, are you really in this? And I remember one Saturday morning praying about it, um, praying about this invitation. And as I was watching this program, her voice, the, the na- her name came up on the program. And I thought, well, that's just a coincidence. So I changed the channel. And I pray, well, Lord, if, if you really want me to, to, to go through this, you could do it again. And twice again on the other channel, someone spoke her name again. And I was thinking, okay, maybe we need to follow this up of this invitation. So um, I said, so I invited her to meet in central London. And, and she said to me, it's not a date. It's a meeting. Just to see if we get on, it's definitely not a date. It was a date, you know. But, it, but she was saying, but I said, okay, yeah, it's just a meeting, not a problem. So we went into central London for this meeting, and then and, and we obviously got on the right. The rest is history. We didn't just commit it to ourselves. We committed it to friends and wise colleagues to pray with us through this, that we had this anchor to know that it was God's will for us. But that invitation changed the course of our lives. It changed the rest of our lives. Following Jesus is all about an invitation. And how you respond to that invitation will determine the quality of your faith. Following Jesus is about an invitation. How you respond to that invitation will determine the quality of your faith. Jesus gives two invitations I want to talk about in this passage. The first is this. You are invited into a relationship you are invited into a relationship with the Father. Verse 1, he says this. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gesenerat, the people were crowding around him and they were listening to the word of God. So important that we remember the reason Jesus was in the boat in the first place was to teach the word of God. That's why he was there, to tell them about the word of God. So what did Jesus teach? What was the centerpiece, the foundation of Jesus' teaching? That you 
and I can have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. That's what it was all about. It was about God's love and that you and I can have a relationship with him through Jesus by the Holy Spirit. Jesus goes on to say that you're forgiven, that God is for you, that God loves you. He says that you have eternal life, that Jesus, he says, I've conquered death. Every addiction and chain has now been broken. Jesus came to preach good news, to heal the sick, to set people free. But this all happens in a relationship. It's all about the relationship with the Father. If you don't know Jesus, the invitation for you today is to just come into this relationship that's worth far more than anything else. That's the first thing. You're invited into a relationship. Maybe you already know Jesus, and maybe you're returning to church for the first time after 18 months. I spoke to some people here this morning that said this is the first time they've come back to St. Saviour's since March 2020. You know, if, you, if you're not aware, we have um, kids and youth going on in our brand new venue behind me. Bring your kids or bring your youth. 9.45, registration every Sunday morning. They're having an amazing time worshipping and learning about Jesus. Maybe for many of us, we're returning for the first time. And this seasonal change has been a challenge. Maybe your faith as you come back feels dry and stale. The invitation for you this morning is to reconnect and reignite your faith to get back to that place, that place of intimacy with the Father. Everything else flows from that. Before we do strategy, before we talk about what post-lockdown church might look like, it all begins with asking them back to this relationship with Jesus. It starts with Jesus. Jesus in the boat, and you and I by the shore, just receiving from him what it means to just be walking in intimacy with our Father listening to him, walking with him, learning from him, enjoying him, worshipping him, just spending a time in him, with him in relationship. We're invited into relationship. That's the first thing. That's where it starts. The second thing is this. We're invited to release. We're invited into a relationship, and then we're invited to release. We're invited to release what's precious so you can receive what's priceless. You're invited to, re- to release what's precious so you can receive so much more what's priceless. Verse 11, we read this. So they pulled the boats up on the shore, they left everything, and they followed him. And in verse 28, Levi got up, and he left everything and followed Jesus. They left everything to follow Jesus. I don't know how much a miraculous catch of fish would have been worth in those days. I think it would have been worth quite a lot. But they left it to follow Jesus. And I'm guessing Levi had a very profitable or successful business. He was a wealthy man. He went and had a banquet afterwards, the first ever Alpha course, invited people to hear about Jesus. He left everything to follow Jesus. There was a point in this encounter that they saw something in Jesus that outweighed everything of the world. I think it's that thing or that substance that we all seek, the thing that will change your faith forever, that thing that when we recognize it, we say, actually, this outweighs everything that the world will have to offer. We're following Jesus so much more of a decision of the will. It becomes a desire of our hearts. Jesus said, if you love me, you will follow my commands. We don't follow his commands to prove we love him. We actually follow his commands because we discovered something so precious, so much more worthwhile than anything the world can offer us. The Holy Spirit's moving in our hearts, and we have this desire deep inside to obey his commands. It's not, about, it's not about punishment. It's not about fear. It's about love and desire. That Actually, what we have in Jesus is worth so much more. 
It's in that place of release. Even failures and disappointments are things we release to the Lord. You know, Peter might have said to Jesus, you know, Lord, I've, I've been already out fishing. This is my expertise. You're asking me to go back to the place where we caught no fish. Going back to the place of disappointment and failure. Maybe there's fear. But he said, but because you asked me, I'm willing to release that disappointment to you. What are the disappointments that we carry that God might be asking you to release to him this morning? Ask you to go back to that place of fear or failure disappointment where you maybe you've prayed for an issue with every fiber of your body and you've still been let down and you wonder where God is in that so easy to just go through life then thinking I've tried it I'm not going to try it again and I've been in that place we've prayed and our prayers haven't been answered the way we hoped what do you need to leave behind to follow Jesus more fully what do you need to turn over to him yeah, that's between you and him. I don't know what you need to offer to him this morning. But you can't receive if your hands are already full. It's been released what's in our hands and our hearts. God can then turn those defeats into victory. Psalm 34, wonderful psalm of the Bible. says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that he is good. Taste and see that the things of God outweigh the things of the world. The things that the world says is important and prestige Things, consumerism, cars, houses, taste and see that the things of the Lord is so much better, so much outweighs those things. That's the prayer for my children. You know, my children, they, they, they believe in the Lord because as parents we've told them about him. But my prayer is that they get to that point where they understand the truth for themselves. Not because we've told them, but they've tasted and seen that the things of the Lord outweigh the things of the world. It's, the, my, it's my parents' prayer for me. I'd get to that point, and I believed in God all my life, but only because they told me about him. But then there was a point in my life as a young adult where I said that prayer, and I encountered something I'd never experienced before. And what I knew in my head became real in my heart. I said, actually, there's something here so, so priceless that the things which I hold as dear and precious are worthless in light of Jesus Christ. We're invited into a relationship and we're invited to release those things which are precious, to receive back what is priceless and is so much more. There's a lovely story about a pastor and an atheist. They were arguing and debating whether Jesus was real and whether he'd really risen from the grave. And the pastor, as part of his evidence, said, I know he's real because all the disciples were willing to give their lives for Jesus. The Apostle John was, um, he, he was sent to the island of Patmos, isolated. The other disciples died some tr terrible deaths. They were martyred, they were crucified, they were beheaded, they were torn apart. They were willing to go through death because they found something which so much outweighed the things the world would offer. Well, the atheist hit back straight away and he said that people die for what they believe in all the time. What about terrorists and suicide bombers? They're willing to give their lives to what they believe in. And the pastor gently said, exactly. They were willing to die because they found something which they knew was true. He said, no one ever dies for a lie. People only were willing to die for what they believed was true. And they encountered the risen Christ. And they realized they could have a courageous faith because when he promises that he would always be with them, even beyond death, he was faithful.
My prayer for us and us as a church, for my family, for us as a church, for us as a community, is that we would grow a courageous faith. That we begin to see that what Jesus promises and what he offers is so much more important. That time invested with God is never time wasted. That we would be willing to recommit, to reignite or commit for the first time and say, Lord, I'm going to follow you this time. I'm going to get back into a habit of spending time with you, time worshipping with you, time praying, time reading my Bible, time prioritising my time with you because I know only in you does everything else make sense and everything else come together. Just like the disciples who had this courageous faith, we want to discover something that will outweigh the things of the world. And when we do that, when we step out, when we believe that what Jesus says is true. That's when we see God's power released in us and through us. That's when we see change in our community. Shall we pray? I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to come just before we come into communion now. If the band's here, if the band just like to come back on stage. And... And I think there might be two ways that we can respond this morning. Maybe for you, if you're honest with yourself, maybe you've never made that commitment or that decision to say, I want to respond to that invitation of being in a relationship with the Father through Jesus by the Spirit. Maybe you've heard that God loves you, that he's for you, but you've never actually made that decision for yourself. And this morning is just the opportunity for you to say in your heart, Lord, I receive from you. I respond to the invitation that would change my life. Maybe for many of us, we, if we're honest, we know that we've just, just grown stale, got into different habits during lockdown. And before we run, we need to just go back to the centre of the faith and just spend the time with Jesus. That's where it all starts. Before we think about what we can get plugged into or what we can do, it's, it's saying, Lord, we just need to come back before you and spend that time with you, time receiving from you. And maybe for you, it's just saying, Lord, would you fill me afresh again? Would you set me on fire again for the things of you? Would you help me to see that what you offer is so much better than what the world does. Would you help me to offer to you those things which I'm disappointed and fearful and anxious about and saying, Lord, I'm willing to place those in your hands. I'm willing to go back to that place where I've been struggling and saying, Lord, would you take control? So Holy Spirit, we invite you here this morning. Come Holy Spirit. just in your heart, offer to the Lord where you're at. Just be real with him, just be honest with him. Just say, Lord, I don't know you, help me to know you. Or, Lord, my faith has just gone cold. Would you help me to see what's priceless? The thing that has no value.
a verse in the book of James that says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And so much about it is, yes, God, by his grace, has gone and done everything we need. He doesn't force us. He calls us to respond to him, to respond to his gift of grace. The more we release to him, the more we surrender to him, the more we're obedient with him, the more we see God just move in our own hearts and our own lives. Come, Holy Spirit.